Thompson. On the show today, we're joined by leadership coach extraordinaire Jodie Shelley to talk all about her business and making fantastic Kiwi leaders. Plus, we're heading to Whangarei to find out what's happening in Northland from an investment perspective. Welcome to Property Matters. Well, kia ora and welcome to Property Matters. I'm Stephen Dello and it's fantastic to have you here for another week. Reminder, you can download past episodes on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio or, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. It should be there. And we're streaming every Monday on Planet FM at 4.15. Lovely to have you here for another week. Now, I'm delighted by my first guest because we met only recently on another radio show that I do that was chatting all about a book she's just written. And this sparked a very interesting conversation about her life and her journey. And I clicked that actually Property Matters audience would be someone keen to hear from her. So a big welcome. That was a big intro. A big welcome, (laughs) Jodi, to Property Matters. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. So Jodi Shelley, you are a, a leadership coach if I can call you that or mentor or guru can we go that far um let's let's find out in the next 20 minutes tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do yeah thank you very much so I am a recovering HR person I've had a 20-year career in human resources and um, I've worked across sort of media FMCG telcos Um, I've worked on unionized organizations and non-unionized and through that whole journey through my 20 years in HR the thing that filled my cup the most was coaching leaders and doing leadership development programs so I have stepped out of the corporate world and into the exciting world of being self-employed and I've set up a business called Human Code and um, Human Code is all about kind of you know cracking the code to human potential really um helping people to reach uh, their potential, particularly leaders and um, and you know doing doing the stuff that I that I love the most. Yeah. What do you think stops us from reaching our potential? I love that that you're cracking the code to making us reach our potential. but yeah. what is it that stops people in that path? Yeah, do you know, I think possibly a lot of it is that we get caught on the rat wheel. So we get caught in this world of busyness and sometimes we connect being busy with our status and being important. So I know that if I've got my really full diary or I'm rushing from here to there to everywhere, I'm valued, I'm needed, I'm in, I'm important and therefore I don't afford myself the time to stop and go, mm am I really adding the value that I can? Like, am I actually bringing to work and am I doing the work that, um, you know, that is going to have the greatest impact on those around me or on the success of the business? I I honestly think sometimes it's that. We know innately what great leadership looks like or we know, you know, that we've got it in ourselves, but it's just getting that space to start to change some of the habits that we've, we've, you know, slipped Mm. into, I think. Do we still have a tall poppy syndrome in New Zealand? I think we do. Yeah, I think we do. My take on the tall poppy syndrome is that um, Kiwis are really keen for um, people to succeed. We love people to succeed. We get behind great, you know, creative people or successful business people as long as they're humble. And so as soon as our people start to you know, be a bit bragged or a bit, you know, a bit bold or a bit show-offy, <laughs> if that's a word. Um, 
then I think that's where the sort of this underbelly of our culture comes out and we like to cut people down at that point. But I, I honestly think that we, as a nation, I've seen a lot of support for people who do really well and who succeed. And, you know, we're proud of our great our great um, success stories. It's just we want them to be humble as well. Mm. Interesting you say that because I've seen good leaders scared to celebrate success because of that fear that they're not going to look humble. But actually sometimes it's good to shout from the rooftops a success story because that's what keeps us motivated to have a go ourselves. Absolutely. And it's quite common. I'm coaching a, a really amazing CEO at the moment. And he he is the same. He doesn't, you know, if anybody gives him a compliment, he defeat he defers to his team. It's like, oh, the team, you know, have done an amazing job. And it's really difficult for him to kind of go, hey, look at me. I'm doing an amazing job when he is. He is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think we are a bit reticent about coming forward and saying, look, at, look at me, I've done a great job. But in doing so, we show others that it's possible. You know, um, mm. there's a, what's that saying around, um, you got to see it to be it. And, yeah. and you know, these women that are, you know, breaking ground in, in STEM industries and and things inspiring, you know, youth of today, um, it doesn't hurt for our leaders to kind of go, hey, I've done a good job on this. Isn't this, isn't this great? Because it inspires others. Yeah, absolutely. What is it you love about your current consulting role? Like you've, you've mentioned stepping out from the big corporate companies yourself. Mm. Now you're in charge of your own day and your own time. But I guess you're going to meet such a wide variety of people. Yes. Yeah. And that is probably one of the key things that I really enjoy is getting to dive into all these different organizations and meet different people with different challenges and and growth opportunities, but the things that I love the most about um, about my consulting is seeing change in people. So when I am coaching and I can see my clients making these connections for themselves and having these amazing, wonderful insights from you know just by talking and by creating the safe space for and, and mechanisms and tools. You know we've got lots of tools in the toolkit, but giving them the space and the safety to have this critical thinking about themselves and the growth that they seek. It's just pretty magical, to be honest. And then the other side of it is I do um, leadership sort of development programs for teams and just seeing teams evolve. Like I'm halfway through a 12-month program with a team and I can see the whole group just lifting their focus right now. Like um, they are more engaged with strategic decisions. They are championing sustainability with their senior leaders. They're just uh, owning things more, supporting each other more, having tough conversations, being brave. And it's, you know, we're only halfway through. And I think seeing that change in groups and individuals is reward, you know, is reward enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think makes a good leader? I think there are many aspects. I think there's multiple facets to a great leader. Um, I think probably key ones are um, being adaptable and inclusive. And by that, I mean, you know, knowing your people and engaging with each of them in a way that brings out the best in them. Because what I think is a great leader for me might not be the same as for you. Yeah. Um, and so I think leaders need to be a bit adaptable and understand their people and, and what works best for them. But also, I say inclusive because great leaders give everybody around the table a voice and ensure that people feel that they can be themselves at work. I think there's um, an aspect of, you know, leaders need to be inspiring and, and focused on achievement as well. Mm. So being able to clearly describe the path ahead, getting rid of hurdles for the team and inspiring everybody to pull in the same direction is a key uh, strength. 
and a couple more I think being growth oriented is is key um you know for themselves so I think leaders who can be a bit vulnerable um can be open to feedback um and accepting of the fact that they're not perfect and they're on a growth journey as well gives their teams the license to, you know, to recognize that we're all learning. We're, we're not fully formed. We'll never be fully formed. We're going to be growing through our whole lives. And um, and I think that grows some, that creates a, a culture of trust. Um, and then the last one is bravery. You know, as a leader, you mm. need to make some tough decisions sometimes and you have to have tough conversations sometimes as well. And that takes courage. And, um, you know, I'm sure we've all been in teams where, you know, the leader hasn't felt that sense of courage or the sense of urgency around having tough conversations. And it does impact on on everyone. Um, so yeah. I think, yeah, probably those aspects are all pretty key for great leadership. And I guess it's knowing you're not always going to get it right. We're still human in this mix. And it, it's yeah. probably is it how you deal with it when it goes wrong as part yeah. of being a good leader? I couldn't agree more. It's like it's almost like we certain parts of our context we can't control, but what we can tr- control is our reaction to it. So, mm. And people watch. You know, when, it, when things go a little bit awry, our people are looking to see how we behave in order to craft their response too, to a certain ex- extent. So, you know, if, if we're running around the, the office waving our hands and panicking, then people will take cues from that. Hey, this is something we need to be worried about. Or, you know, if we see our, our leaders being being bold but empathetic, then we'll model ourselves on that too. So it's pretty pretty important to think about, um, you know, the... the um, you know, the perspective that we're presenting. Mm. The, yeah. I'm not sure if there's an easy answer to this question, but but what is the difference between leadership and management? And yeah. can they can they gel together with a good leader, be a leader that has to also manage? Yeah. Look, I think um, for me, the word management really creates these visions of control, you know, pushing work out and work becoming pretty transactional uh, and transactional way of interacting, you know, that whole master servant um, perspective of old. Um, But when I think about leadership, I think about a richer way of engaging with people. I think there's an element of influencing, you know, as a leader, you're setting strategy and inspiring people and you're helping to shape the culture of an organization. And, And so your question around, can you merge the two? I think both of them, there's a crossover at the point where you, as a leader, you are delivering results. As a manager, you're delivering results as well. As a leader, you're delivering results in a way that engages people in terms of their hearts and minds. Whereas a manager will just, you know, push out the widgets. And um, you know, I I think I think management as a theory is is sort of something we've moved beyond. And uh, and now we think more about leaders in the organisation rather than managers. Well, I do anyway. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure there's that see things Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned before, you know, you can work with an individual or a team. Talk me through now the current ways that you're engaging with potential leaders. Like, what can you offer? Cool. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to talk about that. I've, I've kind of got six ways of interacting with people or the, the products that I offer. So um, the first really around coaching. So what I find for leaders is that one-on-one coaching is really helpful for um, meeting a, a leader where they are and tailoring some development that is 
bespoke for them. So where are you? What are you working on? What are the main complexities that you're dealing with and, and how can we help you to kind of work through them? So I'm an ICC accredited coach and we can just do coaching one-on-one with no tools. The second way is doing coaching one-on-one again, but we use a tool called the LSI that some of your listeners have probably heard about, Lifestyles Inventory. And that's where we have a really deep dive into the thinking and behaving and interacting um, that our people sort of are displaying um, and we're looking at exploring the constructive styles that are working really well for them as well as uncovering you know the maybe the um, aggressive defensive or the passive defensive ways that we operate that don't serve us quite so well and so the coaching is all stemmed around around the LSI results Um, and then the third way that's around coaching is um, putting a leadership team through LSI altogether So that's quite fun. Everybody gets their LSI results um, together and we set up coach peer coaching groups where they support one another over a period of 12 months to craft some goals that relate to their LSI. The beautiful thing about LSI is that we can also get some input from others and clients love that. It's like what I think about myself is very interesting, but what everybody else thinks Mm. is fascinating I'd really like to know that so we can get other people to um, fill out an inventory um, that describes how you operate and then we can use those results as well in the coaching so those are the three coaching ways Um, the other things that I'm doing for leaders that have, have been quite impactful them one is a leadership development program through a company called Breakthrough Co so I'm a learning partner with the Breakthrough and they have an active manager program that runs across across 12 months. And it's so accessible in terms of everybody being so busy. It's yeah. really accessible in terms of time. So um, participants, each month participants spend about 20 to 30 minutes on a on a video, watching a video, which is the content. And then they just pick a skill and they build that practice into their day-to-day or week-to-week um, work that they're already doing. So it's not anything on top of, it's just doing things slightly differently. They have a 15-minute coach session with their leader during the course of the month. And then at the end, we have a one-hour collab session where all the participants come together and we talk about what they love, what they've learned, what that what they found hard, um, and really reflect on and, and get you know more insights out of that. And that whole premise is based on the 70-20-10 kind of ways of learning, where 10 is the formal learning, 20 is that social learning or the collab sessions, and then 70 is actually practically, you know, practical application of it on the job. And that seems to be a, a way of introducing sort of leadership and management skills that are that are really sticky. They help people to change their their um their way of operating. And then the last couple, one is the emotional culture deck. We know that when um we think about our cultures and our teams, we quite often think about the cognitive culture or the stuff that we can point to or see, like you know, the values on the wall or the purpose. Um, but we don't often think about the emotional culture. And um, part of being a human is having emotions and and those emotions can impact us both positively and negatively. Um, and so this is a really cool card game where we can come together as a team, play play with the cards, and then at the end of it, we have a we craft together a um, team culture canvas that gives us some practical ways of creating a culture that we're going to really thrive in, which I love. Um, so those are the main ways. There is one other thing that I do, which is more philanthropic, but it is interesting. So it's um, I work with the, a company called Big Bloom, and they run hackathons to support charities. So what they do is they pull people out of organizations and they put them through a design thinking experience. So um, and the design thinking experience helps um, helps uh, craft 
solutions to strategic problems that charities might have. And so it's a really great learning opportunity for the participants, but it's also doing good in the in the community and bringing people together so that they can connect with one another and connect with people outside of, of their own organization. So that's lovely. Yeah, that's a nice variety. And, and I yeah. guess a sense that you tailor it to suit the person, the individual or the company that's approached you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you find when you're coaching someone individually around leadership of their team, it also has an impact on, I guess, their personal world? I can imagine you'd be giving tips around structure and around, you know, dealing with, with tricky issues that could yeah. actually flow on quite nicely to outside the work environment. Absolutely. You get that feedback? I definitely do get that feedback, yes. And in fact, the, the tool that I've chosen, the LSI, is called Lifestyles Inventory because it can be beyond work. So the constructive styles that we build on um, and the constructive ways of being really do play out in our in our daily lives as well as at work, um, which is why I really, I really like it. Um, you know, some of my one of my um, coaching clients last week, actually, we were playing with the ECD or the, the cards, the emotional culture deck cards. And he was like, can I take this pack home? Because I'd love to do this with my kids. And so he has. He's taken no. it home. And he's doing that with his daughters. And I think, yeah, it's great when you can kind of cross over because, yeah. you know, there is a gray, you know, there's a blurred space yeah. between work and home. And I think if you can get benefit in both spaces from investing in your development, then great. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, tough question. What do you think the hardest part of being a leader is these days? I think the I think in terms of um, being a leader right now, it's resiliency. I think resiliency and adaptability, because we have seen so much change so quickly. Um, you know, every year we've sent another challenge. The last sort of three to four years have been remarkable in terms of leaders you know, having to show up for their teams when they're in a state of, you know, flux and confusion and, you know, the, I don't want to say the C word, but at the start of the global pandemic, mm. COVID, we um, we didn't know what that meant for our teams mm. or our businesses yeah. or our, you know, longevity in the world. And so we were grappling with that as well as leading teams and reassuring teams and developing new ways of being. And I think, that's a that's a tough gig. It's a tough gig to keep that energy level up and the resiliency there and and being flexible and adaptable. And I think you know the leaders that come out of this period of time, they're going to be rock stars when things calm down and you know we have boring boring years again. Here's to boring years. <laughs> <laughs> now I alluded at the top of the show that you're also an author and on a very different thing to leadership. What inspired you to suddenly write a book? Thank you for mentioning that. Yes, um, my book is called The Tui Has Landed and it came out in February. And what inspired me to write that was finding space for myself to do things that I love. So I, what I had found is that in my last leadership role, I was being consumed by my job. So I was working long, long, long hours and I really didn't know what I would do if I had any spare time. And so I um, I stumbled across the beautiful Irish author, Marianne Keyes, who was doing a um, Instagram live feed on how to write a novel. And it was just the perfect timing. And so I tuned into her four sessions and she gave us tips and tricks and ideas about how to get started. And so I got started and I carved out a little bit of time for me, which was wonderful to have a creative outlet, um, side hustle. 
and um and then I just kept going from there so that is out in bookshops now and um I'm now writing my second and third novels and it's been a wonderful kind of distraction so I'm a executive coach by day and a and a, a fledgling novelist by night <laughs> love it absolutely love it look Jody, we've run out of time I could talk to you for hours how can people get in touch if they'd like to have a conversation with you about leadership or for their team or sign you up as their coach I would absolutely love to hear from anybody. Um, certainly non-obligation conversations are my favourite, so don't hesitate to give me a bell just even to sound me out. Um, but all of my contact details are on my website, which is www.humancode.co.nz. Fantastic. All the best for the rest of the year and inspiring some fabulous leaders, and hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Thank you very much again for having me. Take care. Well, now I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Janine Walters, who is the Head of Property Management for Barford and Thompson in Whangarei, but I'm guessing covers quite a big area in the north. And before we went on air, we were just talking about how busy the year is and you're throwing a cyclone, Janine. How are you? We're all got up here uh, now. We had a few issues after the cyclone, mainly to do with um, trees down and fences. Um, but luckily, nobody was hurt, um, and we dealt with it um, quite promptly. There was a lot of community help, um, and everyone come together, which was amazing. Brilliant. So, look, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your own journey in real estate. I started in um, real estate over 16 years ago. I started my career um, with LJ Hooker and was with them for 13 years. Um, I was trained under an amazing lady by the name of Lorraine Shane. And um, my manager back then was um, an amazing man called Michael Springford. So I had um, lots of training. Um, back then we had 500 odd properties um, and there was only three of us. So we, um, we learned very, very quickly and very fast. Uh, it was a fantastic journey um, working there. And then I went on to Eves for a short, um, short stint. And then I um, um came to Barford and Thompson two years ago and have thoroughly enjoyed um, working here, um, have an amazing team and um, plan to stay here until I retire. Brilliant. So what is it about property management that you love so much that you'd hang until retirement? <laughs> so what I love about property management is that it's it changes. So every day when you wake up, you don't know what to expect, which I really like. It's also challenging, um, which is something I like, and it's very busy, um, and I like to be busy. Um, it's really rewarding um, and um, heart lightning when you find a, a house for a tenant um, and they're so excited and they may have been looking for a while and they haven't found anything, and then you get to put them into a home. Um, that's that's a, a huge, huge thing for me. And also finding... Um, people from overseas properties that they can go right. and stay in. Do you get a number of people from overseas head north? Yes, we do. We have a lot of um, clients from South Africa okay. um, and we have um, a lot of Indian um, clients as well and a few from Australia. I guess that's climate-based then, isn't it? You know, because you've just named three countries that love the heat. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Look, as an experienced property manager, why do you believe investors should have their investment property managed and not do it themselves? Well, for me, it's the biggest investment that you'll ever make. Um, you go and insure your house to make sure it's protected. Um, you pay for a lawyer to make sure that everything is done correctly. So for me, it's like, why wouldn't you have it managed? Um, we have a lawyer um, in the company that can help with any issues. Um, we we learn and um, everything that we need to know about changes to do with the healthy homes. Um, we manage all the vent um, to make sure that it's coming in every single week. We make sure that um, all the rent increases uh, are done um, as per the market dictates. Um, and we make sure that the properties are inspected four times a year as the insurance company needs to have this done. So there are lots of things about property management that um, needs to be done by a property manager that, I, um, that a landlord doesn't need to deal with. Taking the stress out is what I'm hearing. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Take the stress out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should ask you, I might wait to the end of the interview how you release your stress then if you're taking on everyone's. But, you know, speaking of stress, we've had the cyclones, we've had crazy weather of late. You just mentioned it wasn't too bad in your area. Did you have any tenants directly impacted? Yes, we had a few tenants impacted. I came down to the office before the cyclone actually hit and I sent an email to all my tenants saying checking in just to say that um, we were all here if they needed um, any help or they just wanted to chat to any of their property managers. Um, that was a huge response um, in, in such a positive and amazing way. Um, I would say we may have had six properties that were really um, affected and that was that was it but it was all um sorted and handled very very quickly that's awesome as property managers do your team sort of engage with insurance companies in situations like this like what what's your role with an insurance company so what we do is we, in this particular case with Cyclone Gabriel, we made sure that the tenants sent us photos of the damages um, promptly and then we forward those photos on to the owner and then we um, ask them to contact their insurance company um, and in most cases the owner dealt with their insurance companies themselves up here um, but if they were overseas then it would come back to us and we obviously organized the the time um, to go to the property through the tenant but the actual um, insurance part was done with the owners we just organized all the detail for them right we're hearing sort of nationally but in particular in places like Auckland a real demand now for people looking for properties especially while their own one is having work done to it have you noticed an increased volume of people looking for a rental property in the north absolutely it's it's huge I've never seen so many people um that are needing properties up here wow. it's um it's almost um overwhelming to be totally honest. So what's your top tip then for an applicant to, to really stand out if they're applying? <laughs> so um, I like them to send me a little picture, um, and especially if they have a pet. Um, and to, to be totally honest, and I know it's not always possible, um, I ask them to come into the office so we can have a chat. It's um, I guess it, it can be a little bit um, time-consuming like that, but it's nice to talk to people to find out exactly what they want. Um, 
And then, of course, we have got our virtual tours now, um, which we can also send to people that can't make a viewing. Right. Um, and we can send that to them overseas or anywhere in New Zealand, and we can walk them through the house on our tour, um, which has been working a treat. Nice. So thinking of the Northland area as an investment opportunity, we have a lot of investors that tune into our show. What What is the area like as an investment opportunity for landlords? Do they get a good return? So they are now. I mean, we, like in the last, but when the housing was very, what was at its highest peak, the return wasn't so much um, as good but it has changed now. Um, we are getting very, very good rents up here. The average uh, three to four bedroom home is 650 to 680. Wow, So fantastic. Yeah, um, and two bedroom properties are now sitting around that 480 to 550 mark. It's all depending on the square meterage of the house, but no, it's a very good place to rent. Um, there was... Um, a lot of demand and, um, and and we can have, and it doesn't matter, one, two, three, four bedroom homes are always sought after. In North okay, because that was my next question. If I'm looking to buy an investment property in the North, what sort of home should I buy? You know, what's renting really well or going to get the bang for my buck? The, um, you know, up here, Stephen, I still believe that it's we're very much family orientated. Still, your three to four bedroom home on a flat section with a garage, right? Um, that's that's still very desirable. But then, on saying that, there has been a slight change up in Tocha Parklands, which is all our new builds. Um, they go very, very quickly. We don't have them listed quite often in the right market, which is normally all the time for more than maybe four weeks. Right. Uh, it's funny you say the garage. That's a universal thing. No matter who I talk to in New Zealand, everyone still likes a garage. Um, garage and a dishwasher. <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> still on the list. If, if you've got a rural property in the north where it's, you know, quite a bit of land attached, do you find that um, it's when a landlord rents it out, are they wanting the tenants to look after that land or does the landlord tend to look or is it a bit of a mix? That is a bit of a mixture. I tend to um, try, and unless someone's got horses or a couple of sheep that they want to um, to graze, then it's up to them. But, but, but of course, it has to be fenced and there has to be troughs on site for that. But if it's not um, if it's not well fenced land, I go to the owner and I ask them to um, to graze it out themselves. Great. What do you love living about living in the north? I love living in the north. <laughs> I love the beaches, um, yeah. and although we do get a lot of rain up here, I still love our climate. I love all our bush walks, um, and we've got a pretty good community up here as well. Nice, nice. How far an area does your team cover from based in office in Whangarei? Okay, so we go um, all the way out to Waipu Cove, which is 50 minutes, and then we also go the other end um, almost to... Uh, Kawakawa, not quite, which is another 50 minutes. So we we do all the rural areas, um, Waipu, um, Green Bay, Hakarangi, Kamo, Tikipanga, um, Oakra. So we, we've, we're quite spread out. 
Wow, that is a big area. You'll be you'll be wanting to trial some drones that you could just send off to do inspections and things. Save well, after drone. our virtual tours, it could happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll talk Look, to Steve about that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, finally, what advice do you have for tenants in your region for looking after their property as autumn has officially arrived, although I feel autumn arrived and so did summer at the same time. But, you know, autumn's here, a seasonal change. What things can tenants do to make sure their homes are being well looked after for their landlords? Okay, so I think one of the most important things is to, like, when they're home and, and then we try and make sure that all our properties have these security stays on the windows, that they keep the properties aired um, to let some air come in, especially when it comes into autumn because it does get a little bit damp. Um, to um, If they've got their fireplaces, which we actually have in, in, in set anyhow, um, we have all our fireplaces all booked and ready to go for winter. Um so we make sure we liaise with the tenants with that. And smoke alarms um, are checked by stats, but we just make sure to let the tenants know that if there is any um, beeping on their smoke alarms to let us know. Um, and if they're maintaining their um, grounds, um, just to keep on top of it um, and to let us know if um, they notice that the spouting is blocked since we were the last year in our last inspection. With the humidity up here, you can check all the guttering and within a month you can see it. Yeah. It's like a little forest road in it again. Yeah, and especially, you know, you throw in the wetness of a, of a cyclone and then the heat a week later. Absolutely, good point. Um, Janine, fabulous chatting to you. I wish you and your team a fabulous autumn in the north. We're catching up with Janine's manager in a week or so's time on the show. If you want to chat property management in Whangarei, head to barfoot.co.nz forward slash Whangarei and all Janine's details are there so you can reach out. All the best, Janine. Thanks for chatting with us. Thank you so much, Stephen. Well, that brings us to the end of another show. A big thank you to Jodie and Janine for being our guests this week. I've loved chatting to them. Love chatting to all our guests. And if you'd like to come on our show, email us at propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. We'd love to talk to you. Or if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to discuss or answer, flick us an email. That's propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. A big thank you to Barfoot and Thompson for their ongoing support and sponsorship as they celebrate their 100th year. Head to barfoot.co.nz for all your property management and investment information. Thanks to the marketing team and to Matt for piecing together everything to promote our shows, to Adam, our editor, and to you for tuning in. Catch you again next week on Property Matters.